Jesus, I can't um, think of a much better sound than the sound of your saints just singing out their love for you. God, let that be our anthem, not just in this place. Yes, it is good to come together in the house of God and sing your praise, but Lord, I know that you long for lips and hearts to be matched up when we sing out to you in our everyday, normal, eating, sleeping, everyday life. That when we sing these words, they would match what's in our hearts. And that we can do that anywhere. And God, I just thank you. I thank you that there's nowhere we could run or hide from your spirit. And that you're just as much with us in the car, in traffic, as you are here in this room. And God, I just thank you for that. We love you. Would you continue to stir our affection, our devotion for your name, Jesus. We love you, God, in your most precious name. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. I am so thrilled we get to be together today. I'm so glad that you came to church this morning. It is my joy as a pastor, as a, one of the shepherds in the kingdom of God, to bring you some teaching over these next few weeks. We're launching a new series today. It's my joy because I'm praying and I'm hopeful that this series could actually become um, something that is helpful for you for the rest of your days. Uh, it's not necessarily something you've never heard before, but it could absolutely change your level of worry and fear and anxiety. It could absolutely change your sense of being a godly man or a godly woman in the way that you conduct yourself in all areas of life. This series has the potential for God to do this kind of work in your heart. And the series is entitled, Search. And whenever you, you go on to Google and, and you go in and you look at search, this is actually, you know, those drop down things, those are the real things that come up when you don't fill in the blank past what should I do about my blank. And the rest of those just come on, you know, down there, um, including, you know, back pain. Evidently, that's a big deal uh, in Google world. Uh, my crush, <laughs> my student loans. Um, any testimonies? Got some student loans hanging out there still. Um, my acne, my ex, social anxiety, my, my rude son-in-law. Oh my goodness. That's a real deal. That's like one of the top things that came up um, out of that. And my dog's dandruff. Who knew? But all of us are, are amazed by Google. It's amazing. We just don't have questions anymore. We just Google it. Google's a verb. We just go and we search out and we find out what it is we know. And I love this prompt there that says, what do I do about? Because that's what's going on in our mind when we face decisions. All of us face different kind of decisions. Some of us have jobs and we face decisions at work. What should I do about this situation with, with a boss? What should I do about this situation with an employee? What should, should I hire this person? Should I not hire this person? Should I change jobs? Should I stick where I am? 
all of these kind of work decisions. You have these, these options and decisions that have to be made. Some of you are still in school and you have big school decisions. What kind of classes should I take this semester? Should I pursue this kind of uh, extra credit? Should I pursue um, this kind of school to go to when I graduate from high school? Uh, we've got some high school students in the room. They're going to be moving on to school. Some of them are making college visits and they're looking at all that and they're thinking, I want to make a godly decision. I want to honor God with my process for how I decide between this school or that school. We've also got people looking to make decisions in relationships. You've eyed somebody across the room and you're thinking, you know, I, I might want to ask that person out on a date. And, and you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe this needs to become a relationship or maybe, maybe this needs to become an engagement <laughs> and maybe it's time to get married or all those things. You've got big decisions in relationship world. And we want to make those decisions as godly men and women. We want to make those decisions in wisdom. And you've got all kinds of decisions in the remainder of life, big and small. And part of the big piece that we need to launch out of, this, uh, out of the gate with this morning in this series is, is that God absolutely loves you and cares about all of your life. He loves you and he cares about all of your life. If you've got a decision at work, don't diminish that and say, well, that's not spiritual. It's not related to the kingdom of God. It's not related to the church. Oh, yes, it is. Because God has put you in that place. That's where he's planted you to accomplish his purposes. Who do you think gave you that job? God gave you that job. All of those realms matter, and God absolutely cares about the big decisions and the small decisions in your life. Here are some of the things that you and I have in common about this. We all want to please God with our choices, right? We want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. We have these things sitting in front of us. If you're a student, you're thinking, I could go to this school or that school. Both schools are offering me scholarships. Both schools have good, good and bad qualities. Which way do I go? How do I make a decision that is not only a good decision for school, but one that is pleasing to God? And in all those areas, in work, in school, in relationships, and in all the rest of life, we want to honor God with our choices. We also have in common that we all want to minimize regret and maximize <laughs> benefit. Isn't that true? We want to minimize regret and maximize benefit. You got a couple of choices in work. You got a couple of choices in life. You got a couple of choices out there, things you need to decide between what you're going to do. And we, we really don't want to waste time. No one else is, is looking for new experiences of heartache. Nobody's seeking after, you know, I really hope this goes badly. We want to minimize regret. We all want to maximize blessing. We want to make good decisions, godly decisions. We also have in common that we all know that even small decisions can have big impact. So are we making those decisions with God in mind? Are we making those decisions from a position of wisdom? Are we making those decisions in line with some biblical principles? Or are we just winging it? Winging it is not a virtue. The fact that you can pull it off and skate by and just slide through and survive it and just kind of pull it off, that is not a virtue. God wants us to make 
good and godly and thoughtful decisions. We also, all of us, this is true, as we follow Jesus in all of life, we would prefer <laughs> to have less worry and have more confidence and joy. Isn't that true? We'd have less worry. We'd like less worry. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing about my, my parent who's elderly now and we need to decide how to proceed in caring for them? And this is a big decision. How do I make this decision? And it's eating me up, this decision. Lord willing, God is going to do a work in our heart over these next four weeks in giving us a process for godly decision making that is going to reduce the worry and cause us to stand tall in confidence in the Lord. We'd all like less worry and more confidence as we approach all of these decisions. Less anxiety. And I'm so excited because the Lord can do that kind of work in our heart and equip us for the rest of our lives. The key phrase I want you to, to think on this morning is a key word that's going to be all throughout this series. It's a biblical word, and the word is discernment. Discernment. I put together a definition that's up on the screen for you. It's sort of an amalgamation of some Old Testament understandings of the Hebrew meaning of the word and of, of the Greek meaning of the word in the New Testament. This definition coming together up here, discernment is a faith skill using intellect and prayer to examine the spiritual and practical factors in a decision. And all of that matters. It's a faith skill we're going to see in a few minutes that it has to be worked on and developed. You've got to strengthen this faith skill. But in that faith skill, we use our intellect. God gave you a brain. God gave you some eyes to see clearly. We use our intellect, but we also use prayer to examine some factors in the decision that's in front of us. We're going to examine the spiritual factors, and we're going to examine the the practical factors. We're going to look at, do we have a sense of what God wants? And we're going to look at, does this contradict the Bible in any way? Has God already spoken about this? And we're going to look at, does this seem wise? Is this a good idea? Does this seem practically sound? So discernment is this faith skill using intellect and prayer to examine the spiritual and practical factors in a decision. And discernment is all in the Bible. I'm going to spend the next few minutes walking you through to show you discernment in the Bible. I'm going to use five different scripture passages this morning to kind of show you how the Bible talks about discernment. The first one is in Genesis chapter 41, verse 33. Let me set the scene for you. We have Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, and he has been sent ahead by God into Egypt before a great famine overtakes the land. And there's all kinds of details that go into that story. If you know that story, all sorts of treachery that goes on, and Joseph is a abused by his brothers, and he's sold into slavery, he's falsely accused, he's thrown into prison, a whole lot of terrible stuff going on, but there's a purpose in it, right? We know the end of the story where, where Joseph is able to say, hey, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good, God had a plan, God was up to something. And in the middle of all that, uh, Pharaoh is having these dreams, and Joseph is interpreting these dreams for Pharaoh, and there's these 
weak stocks and all these kind of things that are going on. And Joseph says, look, here's the deal. There's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. And all this is, is, is God preparing his people to survive the famine. That's why he sent Joseph ahead. But this is the verse. Look at it. It's going to come up on your screen. Genesis 41, 33. And this is where Joseph says to him, he says, Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. So that when you have those seven years of plenty, you need a discerning and a wise man. You need a discerning person, someone who's thoughtful, who's prayerful, who's examining, who's considering, who's contemplating, who's looking at it from all the angles. Because if you've got seven years of plenty, if you don't save some of that, you're going to be in a world of hurt when the seven years of famine comes. So one of the places we see the word discernment in the Old Testament is there in Genesis, where Joseph says, oh, this is important. You're going to have seven years of plenty. You don't want to waste that or squander that because you're going to have seven years of famine. So what you need right now is discernment. That's what's called for right here. And some of you are at the beginning of a job. Some of you are at the tail end of a job. Some of you are restless in your job and you're thinking about, do I need to step out other places? Some of you are, are looking for a relationship. Some of you are looking to make a change in a relationship. Some of you are looking at schools. You got all the, what's called for is discernment so that you do not squander the opportunities that God has put in front of you. You don't want to waste those moments. You want to honor God and please Him with your decision making. The second scripture passage where we see the word discernment is in 1 Kings chapter 3. And King Solomon is here and he's just built the temple for God. This incredible house for God. This is King Solomon's temple. And if you go back and read there all the details and all the, all the, the, the just the, the lavish beauty, the reverent beauty for the place of God. This amazing, amazing place. And God is so pleased. God is so pleased with his servant Solomon. And he goes down to Solomon basically and he says, listen, you have done so well. And because you have not been greedy and because you've tried to do this the right way and because you've done this for me, because you've done this to glorify the Father, listen Solomon, you can ask for anything you wish and I will grant it. And Solomon, who's the king, He's in a position of authority, a position of leadership. People depend on him. He's the one who decides how the nation will go in its economy. He's the one who, who helps to set up the laws. He's the one who decides when the nation goes to war and people die. And recognizing that moment when God has said to him, oh, I'm so pleased, ask me for anything you wish. Look what it says here in 1 Kings 3, 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Solomon is saying, you know what I need? I need discernment. <laughs> I need a faith skill in my life as king so that I can understand the spiritual and practical factors going on in how I lead. And God may have put you in a position of leadership in your company. 
God may have put you in a, in a position of authority over some employees or over a team or over a group of people or over a family. God may have you as a, as a dad leading a family. You need to call out to God for this thing called discernment. Let that be the thing you're asking for so that you can lead wisely, so that you can govern with justice and godliness. Discernment, this idea of studying and examining in order to make the right decision, this is something you and I need deeply. Third place, we see it in the scriptures. We see a mention of it in Proverbs, Proverbs 17, verse 24. Proverbs 17, 24. And the writer simply says this, a discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. It lifts up and elevates a discerning person, someone who has discernment, someone who practices discernment, someone who has this this quality, this value as a part of their life. It, It becomes this virtue. A discerning person. You can be a discerning person or a fool. That's what Proverbs 17 is saying. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view. What's the wise thing to do about this moment? I think the implication here is that a a, a discerning person takes a time out and comes to a pause before they just lash out and make a rash decision. A discerning person is keeping wisdom in view. Hold on. Before I just blurt out an answer, hold on. Before I just blurt out a response, hold on. Before I just blurt out a snap decision that may be built on emotion, that may be built on frustration, that may be built on a whole lot of other reasons that are not honoring to God, let me consider wisdom. What would be wise here? I got a couple of job options in front of me. Hold on. What's wise? Do, do I just choose the one with the biggest salary? Or are there other factors here? That's discernment. Proverbs 17 says, the discerning person keeps wisdom in view. But the fool, the f- fool's just looking at the ends of the earth. The fool is impulsive. The fool just wants what he wants when he wants it. The fool kind of never gets satisfied. He just wants more, and he just just is kind of running to and fro. He doesn't have boundaries. He doesn't have discipline. He doesn't have self-governance to say, time out, hold on, before you just make a decision, let's pray about it, think about it, let's be discerning. So the Bible It's lifting up discernment, faith skill. Maybe for some of you, you've never had any teaching on the Bible word discernment before. Hello, how's your discernment level? Are you a discerning one? Are you one who pauses? Are you one who prays? And I'm not talking about that Bible Belt thing like, yeah, I prayed about it, meaning I thought about it in a godly way for two seconds. I mean, has anyone ever thought about like what qualifies as prayed about it. Is it a five-minute prayer? Is it five days of prayer? Is it 
three months of prayer and 10 days of fasting? What qualifies as I prayed about it to where I feel good about it? What do you mean you feel good about it? How do we make decisions? Are we wise or are we foolish? We want to be discerning. Friends, some of us are walking testimonies of heartache and regret because we were not discerning in some of the decisions we made. We jumped too soon. Can I get an amen in the room? Some of us are walking testimonies because we went after what looked good to our eyes. God had something else for us that was exponentially better. Discernment is a faith skill that you have to grow and develop. It's a faith skill that takes in the spiritual and the practical. It's a faith skill that's considering the factors involved in a decision. And God's lifting it up as a really important thing. Next passage is in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Our community groups are walking through Philippians slowly. Hopefully your group will get to this verse soon and talk about this in more detail and how it applies to your life. But look what Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So that you may be able to discern what is best. So you can examine it, so you can consider it, so you can think about it, so you can pause and try to be wise, so you can pray and try to find the godly pursuit, the godly decision, the right best move. What's best? A lot of us as Christians, we get absolutely tangled and tripped up and really paralyzed by the idea of God's will. I got a couple of decisions. Which one is God's will? Oh no, I don't want to mess this up. Which one is right? Okay, that means one is wrong. So that if I step in the wrong direction, I'm toast for the rest of my days. Or there's one that's right, and I've got to sort of zero in and figure out the mind of Almighty God for this decision. And we get tangled and paralyzed by that. And it's a source of anxiety and fear. Next Sunday is all about God's will. What is God's will? What does that mean? How can we know it? How do we understand God's will? We're going to dig. That's the whole teaching next Sunday morning. But the language here in Philippians 1 is where I'm going to lead us. I'm going to give you just spoiler alert right here. This is kind of where the series is going to go. Instead of looking at two options, high school students, instead of looking at I could go to this school or that school, instead of asking which one is right, the spiritual man, the spiritual woman works through discernment so they can say which one seems best. As much as I've thought about it, as much as I've prayed about it, as much as I've worked on it, as much as I've sought wise counsel, as much as I have, have really sat down and, and really examined my motives, as much as I've considered this factor and that factor, the spiritual aspects, the practical aspects, all right, which one seems best? And that's straight out of Philippians. It is Paul's desire that the people of God be able to discern what 
seems best. Which is best. And I hope this week and next week and the next few weeks that as you think about, wow, saying which one of those options seems best absolutely disarms that fear of which one is right and which one is wrong. God is for you. God loves you. He cares about your life. But we'll get to this next week. God is not keep playing keep away with his will. God is not cruel to you where he's hiding his preferences and he's saying, oh, you better work hard to figure it out. And if you don't, you're totally toast. That's not our God. Paul says, so that you may be able to discern what is best, maybe pure and blameless, in the day of Christ. One more scripture passage. Um, you may not have ever thought about the word discernment before, but it's in the Bible, all throughout the Bible. One more, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. The writer of Hebrews says this, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. The word distinguish there in the NIV is the same Greek word for discernment in other translations. The ESV, the New American Standard, use discernment there. It's all the same word there, to distinguish. So he's talking about the Bible. He's talking about God's word. He's talking about the book and, and this guide for our lives. And the writer of Hebrews says, by constant use, by constant use, by being in this book and getting this book in you. By the way, we've moved on from the teaching, but keep memorizing scripture. It'll rock your world. By constant use, look what he says. By constant use, they have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Another translation says, by constant use have trained themselves to discern what is right. And you may be here this morning and you may be going, listen, I don't know that my, my discernment skills are all that sharp. I don't know that I'm really good at godly decision making. I don't know that I'm very thoughtful about making decisions that honor God. I usually just think which one's easiest I usually just think, which one's fastest? Which one's not going to hurt anybody's feelings? Which one's going to make my spouse happiest? Which one is going to make my kids happiest? Which one is going is, is to pay more? Which one is going to feel better? Which one's going to have more prestige in it? I got lots of methods for making decisions, but my faith skill of discernment is, is not very strong. Well, good news. Welcome to life in Christianity. You are a work in progress. We all are a work in progress. Good news. You can, by constant use, train yourself to distinguish better, to discern better. That's not Pastor Kyle's words. Those are God's words. By constant use, train yourself to discern what is right, to distinguish what is right from what is wrong. We're lifting this up because we want to be a church 
who lives by faith, not by the flesh. Amen? Who lives courageously by what is right, not by what is expedient. Who stands in confidence about a decision. Going, I've been with God as much as I can be with God on this. And this seems best. I'm moving in this direction. Versus fear and worry and anxiety. I hope I don't screw this up. I think that was God. Was that God? I don't know. That, was that God? I don't know if that was God. I just, it was a commercial that was on TV. And, uh, and maybe that, it kind of made me think of this. Maybe that was God. God can speak to a commercial. God can do anything. Uh, ah! God can grow us to make really good decisions. And let's raise up a generation of young men and women, teenagers and college students who are godly, thoughtful, wisdom-based, taking a time out to think, is this what God wants for my life? Is this the, the best path for me to take? Have I genuinely prayed about this? Have I discerned what seems best. Often we don't have a process. Often we don't even pray. Often we just take a look at it and go. High capacity leaders, those who are quick decision makers, those of us who are quick decision makers, we often bypass, just blow right past any process of discernment because we think, oh, we see it. We got it. We see it. We see what needs to happen. And I want you to hear the voice of God calling you to be men and women who are not in such a hurry. I would rather you be godly than swift. I would rather that you take time to have a sense of God's leading then you just going, yeah, I can see that. I don't need to pray about this. I can see this. If you're having those thoughts, I got this. Be careful. That is a recipe for trouble if you're thinking, Lord, I don't need you on this one. I can crunch the numbers. I can look and see what's, what seems best right now. I don't need you on this. Be careful. Do you have a process of discernment. Can you say on the front end of a decision, all right, I'm going to go through these steps. I'm going to go through these processes so that I can make a godly, wise, thoughtful, prayerful decision and try to identify what seems best and then walk in confidence in that decision. Well, Kyle... I don't necessarily know what those process steps are. Good news. I'm going to teach a sermon series on it. Welcome to what we're doing. For the remainder of this morning, I want to give you um, four reasons why prayer is important for discernment. Four reasons why prayer is important for discernment. Prayer is critical and crucial. Number one, because God knows all things. And if you want to add a little thing to, to the end of that, you can put in parentheses, and I don't. Because God knows all things, and I don't. Well, I'm trying to make a decision on this. Well, I don't know what the market's going to do. God does. 
oh, I think I'm going to hire this person or that person, but I'm not so sure if they're just like six months from now are going to show themselves to be weasels. I don't know. God knows that person's heart. Oh, I think that'd be a good person to date. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're, man, beautiful person. Way to go, God. I mean, amazing. Awesome. God, wow. Yes. But I don't know. God does. Let's put ourselves in a position of taking advantage of what Jesus Christ has made possible, which is access to the throne of God. And the God who made all things, who knows all things, who has a plan in mind for the present age and for the ages to come. A God who knows how every detail of your life and your life and your life weaves together with the rest of our lives that all weave together with the purposes of God. This God who knows the human soul, heart and motive and mindset. This person who knows this God who knows. Why in the world are we not asking him? Prayer is important for discernment because God knows everything and we don't. Friends, seek your Father's guidance in your decision making. And it really matters to Him that you do this. You can read in your Bible tonight uh, when you get some time before you go to sleep about a guy named King Saul. And he did not seek God about some things. He sought some other things in terms of trying to figure out his decisions. But he sought other things that were not pleasing to God. And God was absolutely unhappy about it. It matters to God that we consult him. It matters to God that we ask him. It matters to God that we let him weigh in Let's never get to a point where we say, God, we got this. We don't need you. Prayer is important. It's critical because he knows everything and we don't. Number two, the second reason prayer is important for discernment. Because you and I are in a discipleship relationship. We're in a discipleship relationship, meaning we're following Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus for just a moment. We, we want to make sure we talk about Jesus here every chance we get. Jesus is the Son of God. He did not come into existence in a manger uh, on the day we celebrate as Christmas. Jesus is God, very God, who has always existed before the creation of the world. He is a part of the Trinity, fully God, and he was incarnated when he came to be born. And he came on a mission. He came on a mission to give his life for your sins and for my sins, to redeem men and women back to God, to take you and me who became enemies of God because we sinned, and he made a way for us to be the sons and daughters of God. Jesus lived a sinless life, and he gave himself on a cross as a sacrificial lamb. And God poured out on him all the punishment for the sin that you and I deserve. Hallelujah. Great is his grace. Great is his kindness toward us. That even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. God raised him from the dead. 
What happened in that victory moment there of the resurrected Christ is that death was defeated and sin was defeated and hell was defeated and the opportunity by faith, if you believe in Jesus as God's son, believe in Jesus as the finished work on the cross where he died for your sins and he rose again for your sins. And if you believe in Jesus as the Lord of your life, like you're his follower, you're his disciple, then you can be saved, the Bible calls it. Saved from what? Saved from your sins? Saved from being enslaved to sin, you be set free from sin. You'd be made new, fully clean, no matter what you've done, adopted as a son or daughter, and then you'll join in the mission of glorifying God in the earth. One of the other things that comes with that, one of the other beautiful, powerful benefits of the victory of Jesus is that you and I can approach the throne of grace in time of need. Wow. Jesus made that possible. Are you guys grateful for that today? That you can go to the God with anything. And the trouble is, you and I often don't go to the God unless it's a really big, scary thing. And friends, I'm calling you, I'm challenging you, I'm reminding you, I'm lovingly reminding you this morning that prayer is absolutely essential. And I don't just mean that I thought about it, I don't just mean that I asked somebody else to pray for it, but that I've been, I've been in an appropriate season of prayer about a decision. I'm not going to tell you how long, how many days, how, because it may be different for every situation. Prayer is absolutely important. My goodness. My goodness. As disciples of Jesus, there is this relationship where we say, okay, you're the leader. That makes me the what? Follower. And in my discerning process, I'm asking the leader, where do you want to go? I got a couple of paths over here. I could go down this path or this path, leader, because I'm your disciple. Where do you want to go? Which seems best? What's, what's the path that you want to lead me on? I think discernment is a beautiful check against our flesh. It's a check against our self-sufficiency. It's a check against our autonomy. It's a check that says, I'm going to check with my Lord before I launch out. I'm going to check with my Lord before I launch out. Because I'm his follower. Number three, the third reason why prayer is so important in discernment is because we make decisions with a corrupted mind. We make decisions with a corrupted mind. Someday you'll be in heaven and you will no longer struggle with envy. Oh my goodness. You'll be complete and made perfect. Someday you'll be in heaven and you'll no longer struggle with lust. Oh my goodness. Someday you'll be in heaven and you'll no longer struggle with greed or fear or hatred or vengeance. Someday you will be free from all those things. I hope you're getting excited. We're a people of hope, and that's our hope, that one day the Lord's going to come back, and he's going to make all things right, and we will be with him, and we will be complete and whole 
and sin will be absent from the heavens. Wow. But until then, <laughs> we still carry around in these bodies envy, greed, lust, occasional hatred, occasional vengeance. And while we have this corrupted mind, it's important to go, hold on, before I make this decision, I need to remember that I'm very capable of making this decision for the wrong reason. Very capable of making this decision for the wrong reason. Job opportunities come up and I'm looking at the wrong reasons. Person comes up that I could date or get engaged to and I'm pursuing them for the wrong reasons. Schools open up. Wrong reasons. That's possible. So because I'm remembering that I have a corrupted mind, I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray the prayer of Solomon. Oh Lord, give me a discerning and wise spirit so that I may govern and lead and decide through discernment and wisdom. Oh Lord, save me from myself. Because I asked a few minutes ago if we had any testimonies in the room who nobody's going to go into the detail, but you've got a little heartbreak in your story, a little heartache in your story because you jumped too quickly because something looked right and you didn't discern it. You didn't pray about it. You didn't wait on it. Listen, the chances are good. You made that decision for a corrupted reason in here. We need to pray. We need to pray. Please pray about your decisions. Stand in front of those decisions. And I don't want you to fear that God's going to punish you. But I want you to have a level of reverence for I don't want to make this decision in the flesh. I want to make it in the spirit. I really want to honor God with this. Last reason why prayer is important in discernment. The very last reason is that we pray for wisdom, not signs. We pray for wisdom, not signs. Be on your guard, dear ones, for looking for some sign from God to tell you what you should do. Signs that you can point to in the, or, or an Old Testament concept before the cross of Jesus, before the Spirit of God was in us. Be careful, be on your guard about searching for some divine moment where you manufacture a confirmation. The, the funny one that everybody talks about, which is all too real, is the one you're driving in your car and you're thinking, all right, if I catch two green lights in a row, Lord, I'll take that as a sign from you that you want me to go to the left instead of the right. What do you do when the light's yellow? The challenge is in that moment of looking for a sign, all right, Lord, if I catch two green lights in a row, I know you'll want me to take this job over here. All the, in, in even saying that, you have, have 
revealed where your heart wants to go and you're asking God to bless that. And my goodness, that's not living biblically. But we all fall into that. Lord, if the phone rings in the next 10 minutes, if they email me back right away, or if she looks at me from across the room and smiles, I'll take that as a sign that I'm supposed to ask her to coffee. Be careful about requiring signs. We can manipulate these for selfish reasons. We can end up stalling in a godly decision while we're waiting for some divine confirmation. Some of you in this room, God has clearly told you which way to walk and you are stalling while you wait for a quote-unquote sign rather than just being obedient. A sign, needing a sign, can be an indicator of a weak faith. It can be an indicator of a weak faith where you require something tangible as opposed to simply obeying without evidence. Just say that again. A sign can be an indicator of weak faith where you require something tangible instead of simply obeying in faith without evidence of how it's going to turn out. We are people of faith. So let us walk by faith, not by sight. Prayer is absolutely essential. I hope that your heart's getting excited about discernment. I hope that, that you're kind of looking forward to these next few weeks together as we look at God's will and then some practical processes for how to make godly and wise decisions in all aspects of life. I hope that you're encouraged today, that you're reminded that God loves you and he cares about all these different aspects of your life. And I hope that some of you are challenged a little bit as you're thinking about, well, wow, man, I, I really haven't been discerning. I haven't been prayerful about these things. I, I've just kind of been sort of, you know, lobbing a little quick two-second prayer up there and just kind of going and making my own plans. More than anything, I want this series to be a blessing in your life because it can relieve worry and fear. Most of us have seen a similar movie to about what I'm going to describe. A movie where there's a bad guy in the movie and he's made explosives and he's hidden them somewhere in the city and the good guys have to find out where the, the bombs are before they go off and the, the, the camera zooms in on a, on a digital clock that's strapped to an explosive device and it's counting down 30 seconds, 29 seconds and the good guys find it. They find the device and the hero steps up and he gets there and he's, he's thinking, well, all right, the clock's counting down. It's at 20 and 19 and, and he's not sure what to do and it's got three wires on it. It's got a blue wire a red wire and a green wire and he's got a pair of wire clippers <laughs> and he's like I, I, I don't know anything about disarming bombs I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good cop but I don't know how to disarm bombs and he's got there and the music's getting more intense in the film and it's cutting the, the camera's cutting to the clock and it's showing the seconds cutting back to his face and he's sweating and he's just full of anxiety and he kind of hovers over the, the green wire and uh, he pulls back and hovers over it and it's getting down there 10 9 
eight, seven, six. And the whole place is holding its breath, watching the screen. Six, five, four. And it gets to three. And he puts the pliers over the blue wire. And he closes one eye. And he squints real hard. And he goes, click. For too many Christians, this is the posture of decision making. I hope it's the right one. Because if it's the right one, we're all okay. But if it's the wrong one, boom. And Jesus did not die for you to live in slavery to fear. And Jesus did not die and rise again for you to miss out on the blessings of being able to call God your Father who loves you, who cares about you. And the decisions in your lives are not explosives that can kill you. The decisions in your life are opportunities put in your path by God to show his glory through your life and to bring you deep joy. Through this series... I want us all to get rid of that wire cutter, squint-eyed, sweaty fear of decisions. And may the Lord bring us all the confidence that says, I've prayed, I've looked, I've thought, I've talked, I've examined, I've considered, I have discerned. This is the way I'm going. Because I believe that honors the Lord. Let's pray. As our band's coming up to get ready to lead us here in just a moment, I would invite you to pray over some current decisions in your life. While we're here, in this moment, would you ask God for a discerning spirit? Would you ask God to grow that faith skill, to train you in it. Ask God to teach you what it is to be discerning in all of life. One or two of you in the room, just between you and God, you need to repent of depending on needing a sign from God instead of just obeying Him. Some of you have a decision in front of you right now about what to do in your family, what to do about a medical situation, what to do about a relationship or a job, which school to pick. Would you just humble yourself before your God this morning? Would you say, you're my Lord. Show me the way you want me to go and I'll follow you anywhere. I'm asking your thoughts on this, Lord, because you know everything and I don't. And God, I'm so capable of screwing this up for selfish reasons. So Lord, teach me discernment. God, I'm so weary of worry a fear that I'm going to mess this up and make you mad at me. Thank you for Jesus and what he's done. Thank you for my access to you through Jesus. Lead me, God.
For with you as my shepherd, I shall never want.